Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you to another exciting edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. How are you, Holly? I'm doing well. And you, Carl? I'm doing well as well. I want to say we hope you all had a wonderful holiday. We hope you had an amazing experience come Christmas because we actually had a really good Christmas. Yes, we did. I enjoyed it thoroughly, actually. It was one of the best Christmases we've had in many a year. Oh, that's very nice to know. Yes. It was. It was very nice. I, it felt like Christmassy. Oh, good. Yeah, it wasn't too commercial. No, there's yeah. nowhere to go commercially. <laughs> <laughs> good point. I mean, the most commercial place I went to was uh, downtown Disney and uh, Buena Vista. And I went nowhere. Woo! Love it. Alrighty. Well, like I said, guys, we hope you had a great holiday season. Happy New Year to all of you. May 2021. No, I was going to say something about 2020, but may 2021 not be 2020 wearing a wig. All right. Yeah, let's just roll <laughs> from there. Good. Okay. So uh, once again, thank you for your support, guys. We've noticed a, a, an increase in listens and an increase in plays, and we still want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Uh, we just, just, your support means everything, and it keeps us going. All righty. So if you guys want to, Reach out to us. Feel free to. We have the Facebook page at Colts Coffee Conversation. And, of course, we have the Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. And the Twitter machine at Colts Coffee Con 1. That is Colts Coffee Con and the number one. And also we have one more edition. Holly, take it away. You can get your voice memo on your smartphone and record a message and send it off to Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. Beautiful. All righty. So before we get into our conversation about our Colts, let's talk about our coffee. Holly, what are you drinking? Mm, well, I'm having a hot salted mocha. Delicious. I'm having the hot pistachio latte. Mmm. Nah, it's actually not that bad. It's not that great, but it's not that bad. Okay. So I'm just enjoying what I have. Okay, so we are Beautiful. going to go into our next cult. Yes, we are, and we're, we are changing the format. Isn't that accurate? Yeah, but let's, uh, let's just move along here. Move along, everyone. Move along. Move along. All right. <laughs> Nothing to see. Nothing to see here, <laughs> except for a building exploding behind us, but that's okay. Go ahead, Holly. It was mostly peaceful. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we have our new cult. It's called the Holy City. Mm. Or Holy City. Holy City. Mm-hmm. And it's in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Of course it's the Bay Area. It is actually in the past. Very much in the past. It started over 100 years ago. Okay. Or about 100 years ago. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's do this. So, William Riker was a handsome... Wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute. William Riker is his name? Yes. William Riker, the Captain John Luke Picard's number two, William Riker. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't think they had that in mind <laughs> when they <laughs> named <laughs> that character. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I apologize. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, he was a handsome, blue-blooded California native. Beautiful. Born in 1873 and described in contemporary accounts as a favorite of the late. Hello. His first job, which involved reading palms, earned him the nickname The Professor. 
Later, he toured the country as a mind-reading act, a lucrative career that ended abruptly when bigamy charges were filed against him in San Francisco. Bay Area, beautiful. Leaving both his wives behind, Riker fled to Canada. Oh, Canada. This guy sounds kind of like he's a con man right, right off the gate. Right. Agreed. It a was successful con man at that. Yes. It was there that he developed the perfect Christian divine way. Of course he did. A credo that involved total celibacy, <laughs> abstinence from alcohol, hardcore white supremacy, and communal living. Oh, what a beautiful, nice It's a recipe for a cult. Beautiful sprinkle, yes. From what records still remain, it seems that being born again was also somehow integral into the project. Okay. Armed with this new doctrine and a plan, Riker returned to San Francisco and started a commune. <laughs> the theme of Colt's coffee and conversation. The city on the bay would later grow accustomed to such enterprises, but at this time, more than a few eyebrows must have been raised. He's one of the first. The mm. first to do it. Beautiful. The first thing Riker did was make his followers give him their money, <laughs> freeing them from worldly concerns to pursue their spirituality. And in the great wise words of Reptevia, when he was told that money is a curse, may God strike me with that curse, and may I never recover. <laughs> <laughs> By 1918, <laughs> he was able to buy the land, Holy City, on which to establish his new Jerusalem and to house about 30 devotees, most of them elderly. Beautiful. One of those members was Frieda Schwartz, a married mother of eight. In 1921, allegations made by the Schwartzes sparked a federal investigation into the cult. In short order, Riker was charged with grand larceny, conspiracy mm. against public morals, mm. and child endangerment. Mm. The Schwartzes' tale was so salacious, papers could only hint at some of the particulars. Great. Frida testified her husband, Alexander, was gifted two new women as wives, and their eight children were whisked away to be raised by the cult. Wow. It was done, according to the Schwartzes, under the guise of getting the family into heaven. Hmm. I was not allowed to even mention my children's names again, Frida said on the stand. If I did, they abused me. Her husband testified the children were beaten and tied between the trees to be stretched by other cult members. Oh, my God. As part of the investigation, four children, including Riker's son, were taken from the colony by juvenile court. Life under Riker was a living hell for the women, Frida said. She claimed Riker forced female members to have sex with him, and when she and Another woman became pregnant. He ordered them to obtain abortions. Another pattern of Frida Colt's coffee. said that they did. <laughs> another another pattern of Colt's coffee and conversation. Right. True. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. After the years in the court system, all charges against Riker were eventually dismissed. <sighs> Crazy, huh? Yes. The children were returned to their families. Although the case was dismissed, a few unsettling lines in the census lend credence to the Swartz's story. According to the 1920 census, Riker was renting a house in San Francisco. The seven boarders were all female cult members, including Frida, without their husbands. 
Ah, uh, separation of families. That's another red flag. Yes. Holy City sits in an obscure corner of the lush wilderness 10 miles south of Los Gatos on what was once the only route between San Jose and Santa Cruz. Established in 1919 by Riker and a small group of his loyal disciples, the city was initially built on 30.25 acres bought for $10 the years before. Ten bucks for thirty. Yeah, it acres. seems, and you know, of course, this man had a lot of money that he's gathered already. Soon, it was bustling with tourist-oriented businesses. Flimsy wooden structures with carnivalesque murals and slogans lured weekend motorists. Garish billboards lined the highway, describing Holy City as the future center of the world—a true utopia, a paradise. Another culty thing right very much so. utopia paradise utopia and paradise it's always those two words quote holy city answers all questions and solves all problems of unquote. course they do see us if you're contemplating marriage suicide or crime unquote <laughs> one sign even declared the city to be the headquarters for the world's most perfect government Ah, another credo well you know it's funny because he was the head of the government there but he's perfect. Yes. Folks from nearby towns came for ice cream on Sunday afternoons mm. to watch the show. Interestingly, although it was publicized as a religious site, not one church was ever built in Holy City. What a... Because wh <sighs> he was the church. Ah. ah. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Riker apparently considered himself exempt from the celibacy rule. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Soon taking a bride by the name of Lillian. Soon Riker was raking in $100,000 a year on the proceeds from a restaurant, a service station, and an observatory where visitors could look at the moon through a telescope for 10 cents. This is in 19... This is in the, in 20s. the 20s, yeah. He was also running a mineral water business on the side. Wow, the first mineral water company. And also, I did read that he also had a peep show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know what a peep show is, Carl? Yes, I okay. do. I am Look grown. it up. Google it, people. Google it. <laughs> okay. As early as 1929, Holy City had a weekly newspaper and a short-lived radio station. The second to be licensed in California. Cool. That went by the call signal of KFQU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the gift okay. that keeps on giving. So yes. due to the irregularities, <laughs> perhaps including its name, <laughs> its license was revoked in 1931, thus putting an end to a popular... Half-hour show with a Swiss yodeler. Oh. Can you imagine listening to a yodeler for 30 minutes? What year was this again? 1929. Mm, there you go. 30, 31. Yeah, exactly. Yodel, Why not? Yodel, yodel, for 30 minutes. Okay. By 1930s, <laughs> Holy City had become a popular tourist spot for curious motors traveling along the old Santa Cruz Highway. Eight shoulder-height Santa Claus statues beckoned you onto the property. Several signs at the entrance boasted bold statements. Okay, so let's put on our seatbelts, people. Mm. 
quote, the only man who can save California from going plumb to hell, I hold the solution, unquote. Of course. The other quote is, quote, holy city, headquarters for the world's perfect government, stop and investigate, unquote. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Riker's idea of perfection, it seems, was an entirely white population Another one of his controversial and, in this case, downright offensive signs read, okay, quote, Asians and Negroes keep out of Holy City until you've learned your place, unquote. Wow. And one where everyone except for Father Riker had to follow a strict set of rules and live without money or worldly possessions. Of course. Of course. Riker was a man full of contradictions. He was an enthusiastic supporter of Adolf Hitler. (laughs) And yet, he was overly friendly to Jews and welcomed them with open arms into his flock. Mm. Interesting. I wonder why. Maybe some financial stuff might be involved there, yeah. He preached celibacy, and yet he was a bigamist before founding (laughs) Holy City and took a wife after establishing his strict ideology. Mm. He also preached sobriety Mm. and yet encouraged the man leasing the restaurant on his property to add a bar to the establishment. That's so he could get the money from the motorists, Yeah, and the funny thing is, isn't that prohibition still going on during this time? Mm. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember when it... It was in the early 30s. 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, okay. He then later made him shut it down because of too many of his own disciples were frequenting it. Because of numbing the pain and the misery. (laughs) Oh, gee, go ahead. He said, quote, to my people, I am God. Ooh. He's now a deity. Made himself a deity. Despite his blatant hypocrisy, Riker's cult-like group persisted through the Depression. He was quoted saying, Quote, my people will do anything I tell them to do. To them, I am God, unquote. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so the Holy City fared well for a while, profiting from both dedicated followers and curious tourists. Okay, so we already talked about they had all kinds of stores, gas they, stations, they the post it. office, meat market, restaurant, barbershop. Oh, and the barbershop, the disciples had to borrow money from Riker to get a haircut. Wow. Talk about power. Print right. shop, lecture hall, zoo, motion pictures. Sounds like a modern. Mo- and, <laughs> and ballroom with a sign reading, quote, agreeable dancing is as near heaven as any mortal will ever get, unquote. Sounds like a 1930s soul vein. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now. Oh, the yodeler. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, and he liked Adolf Hitler, the German stuff. Oh, jeez. Quote, the emancipator. As ah. Riker liked to call himself, oh, also had grand plans for an amphitheater that would seat seventeen thousand people and host shows, where he would miraculously cure people posing as blind, deaf, or crippled. Oh my God! So now he sounds like a faith healer, right? Yes. Okay. Beautiful. Holy city was neither holy nor a city. Mm. It can mostly kindly be described as a white supremacist hangout. Attached to a roadside attraction. In order to draw attention and new converts, Riker created a must-see tourist shop along the new roads through the Santa Cruz Mountains. Hmm. The print shop got regular work, and the Holy City was full of posters 
boldly proclaiming Riker's favorite and most deeply racist <laughs> amorphisms. So here they are. Now, this is offensive, people. Probably going to have to put a uh, strong language on this this podcast. Probably. Quote, our California belongs only to the white race man. Unquote. Quote, it must be purged of this deadly polluting oriental disease. Unquote. <coughs> okay, so he didn't like Asians. On the subject of disease, he said he'd found the cure for cancer, heart failure, Bright's disease, and all other ailments. Hmm. Riker himself was part of the draw. Dressed in a white suit, sometimes with a small dog at his side, Riker would wander the town shouting at tourists. Looking like Colonel Sanders. Pretty Beautiful. much. I offer $10,000 to anyone who can find a flaw in my 100% arguments, he said. Tourist, once cautious, usually backed away. Beautiful. In 1935, Riker wrote a letter to President Roosevelt letting him know that he could end the Great Depression and make kings and queens out of the all-sane-minded white people. Wow. Under Riker's direction, the country would be turned into a paradise on short notice. FDR didn't take him up on the offer, so he turned his attention to another government, hmm. the Nazis. Oh, beautiful. Well, you know what? It goes hand in hand. Yep. Beginning in the mid-1930s, Riker wrote a series of letters to Adolf Hitler. Hmm. He viewed him as a like-minded soul, addressing wow. him in fawning terms like His Excellency and His Honor. Oh, jeez. This guy's a piece of work. Your opportunity is now ripe, Riker wrote in one letter. And when it's done, you will prove yourself to be the greatest character that has ever lived since the time of Jesus Christ. Wow. You will not only succeed in whipping all enemies, but will cause yourself and millions of other people to experience happiness far greater than the world will explain, he added. Hmm. Riker made no secrets of his beliefs. When a group of soldiers visited Holy City on a lark in the early 1940s, he approached them and asked them to abandon the fight against Hitler. Instead, they should allow Germany to take over Europe and focus on defeating the threat of the non-white Japanese military. Hmm. He even handed them pamphlets to distribute at Moffat Field, boasting Hitler had adopted some of my ideas, unquote. Instead, the soldiers turned them over to the FBI, which charged Riker with sedition. Beautiful. The trial was a blockbuster. Representing Riker was young Melvin Belli, an up-and-coming San Francisco lawyer. Hmm. His defense was not that Riker didn't write the letters. It was that Riker was such a crackpot that his letters were ultimately harmless. Ah. His efforts were pitiful and pathetic, Belli said in court, but they were not seditious. Hmm. The court agreed, acquitting Riker of all counts of sedition and subversive activities. When his victorious lawyer asked Riker for the remainder of his legal fees, Riker declined. <laughs> of course, he's above it. He said, quote, My son, I shall reward you with a seat in my kingdom of heaven, unquote. Well, I recalled him saying, and that is far more emollient than a paltry $5,000. Belli did not share this view. <laughs> he sued Riker, winning the case in 1943. Riker returned to his holy city, if not chastened, at least temporarily quieted. He ran for governor of California in 1942, 1946, and in 1950. 
no one paid him much mind. Of course. The end was near for Riker's perverse paradise. Highway 17 had opened in 1940, routing traffic away from Holy City. Isolated from the busy road, Looky Loos dwindled year by year, and so did his religious converts. Glorious. The popularity of the cult finally fizzled as Riker's followers began to see their leader as the manipulative and deceitful man he really was. About time. What took him so long? Riker wouldn't allow spouses to live together in Holy City, yet rumors spread that the leader slept with all his female disciples. Of course, he's God. By 1938, only 75 men and four women lived at the site. <laughs> I think that's quite a bit. It is. As far as total number of people, yeah, but the, d- the difference between male and females drastically different. Yes. In 1947, his son William was found badly beaten after police followed a trail of blood from a San Jose tavern to a shanty where William was living. He told police his severe back and chest injuries, along with facial lacerations and a broken ankle, were inflicted by cult members when he announced he was leaving. That's another thing. You want to leave a cult? Take a beating. Yep. Either physically, emotionally, financially. Ever or all three. Exactly. Police believe Riker, fearing the wrath of the cult, never would have reported the beating had not Officer Nice found him at the end of the trail of blood, the Chronicle reported. Sadly, the tale of William ends here. Although he is not listed as a relation in his father's obituary, suggesting William Jr. was perhaps able to ultimately escape his father's influence. In 1950, Riker's wife, Lucille, died of a stroke. And in 1961, Riker was removed as Holy City's leader by the board. A few years later, the Chronicle reported he converted to Catholicism. Oh, but I thought he was God. He could heal. I know. Isn't that strange? Very strange. He said, quote, I've been living a celibate life for 10 years. He was 94 (laughs) years old when he said this. And oh, I would, oh, so you finally to be celibate at 84. Yeah, uh, yeah. T- it so. didn't work anymore. And I was intelligent. <laughs> says I was intelligently converted. I bet. I bet. Uh-huh. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. He spent his last years at Holy City allowed to live on the property, if no longer in charge of it. Curious locals ventured up every now and then. But there was little to see. Most of Holy City burned down in the late 1950s, Local newspapers called the fires mysterious. Mm. Riker, who once boasted of his ability to cure any ailment known to man, died of natural causes at the age of 96. Question. Mm. If he owns the land, why can't he stay on the land? Oh, he must have somehow, I think there was some kind of transfer of title. Interesting. I wonder who got the transfer. Well, I didn't go into that. No, don't worry about it. I'm just yeah, my, it's, my it's a curious mind. thing yeah. because I know that he didn't end up owning it. He might have had to sell it for financial for finances. Yeah. But wait a minute. You're not supposed to live with the burden of of personal possessions and, and money. Well, I guess ultimately he didn't. Ah. Ah. Good point. Good catch. In the end, his healing claims didn't save his soul. <laughs> Of course. Today, all that remains of Holy City is one modern building and the narrow road that bears its name. The old buildings have disappeared except for a derelict shack that may or may not have been part of Father Riker's small empire. 
a shop with a day glow sign reading Holy City Art Glass, Holy City, California, reminds those few who drive by that a tract of 30 acres here in the Santa Cruz Mountains was once bustling with loyal disciples and curious tourists. Mm. Bob and Trish Duggan, a Silicon Valley couple with a net value of more than $3.2 billion, recently got a sweet deal on their purchase of 142 acres of lush woodland off Highway 17. The land, which was originally listed for $10 million, eventually went to the pair for around $6 million, as first reported by the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Plans for this site have not been revealed as of 2018. Now. Who are the Duggins? Well, they are, as of, I think it was like 2016 or something, they were listed as the highest donators to the Church of Scientology. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Really? That could be their new secret base. Their new it could be hideout. some kind of a base. Wow. Yep. But who are they, though? What do they do? How did they get the billions? Oh, um, I didn't. I, didn't it was. It? I, I saw it, but they did some kind of pharmaceutical thing. Oh, okay. It makes sense. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, I think it was pharmaceutical. But anyway, they were billionaires by, you know, if they yeah, develop, they, did, they yeah. sell thing, sell it off or something. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Beautiful. So that was Holy City and Father William Riker. All righty. What a caricature. Caricature. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And then this was in the 1900s. Well, like the thing the is, is that it's funny because I'm thinking, you know, my mother, she was actually a child during that time. Right. And I don't know if she was able to go up there. They must have gone through there in order right. to get to Santa Cruz. Right. Huh. Interesting. So she's unfortunately not with us. She would be in 100 this year. So, Ooh. yeah, we probably couldn't get much out of her at that point. That's insane. All righty. Well, what a wonderful tale and what of an interesting web that has been weaved. Okay, Carl. Wow. All righty. Well, on that note, thanks again, guys, for your appreciation. Thank you for your likes. Thank you for your comments. And thank you for your support. And we know that you know that we know we love you, Coltonites. And on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl. <laughs>